0: We're delighted to bring to our program today Professor Erwin Corey, a comedy legend. His name is perhaps less well known to our youngest listeners, but a quick search of the internet will bring you up to speed. Erwin Corey began performing in New York in the 1930s, and his improvisational style would influence generations of later comics. The professor, known universally as the world's foremost authority, has done it all. He's done vaudeville. He's done television. He was a fixture on shows like Steve Allen, The Tonight Show, Merv Griffin, Mike Douglas, and numerous programs I saw as a kid in the Bay Area. He's done movies, perhaps most recently Woody Allen's Curse of the Jade Scorpion. He's been on Broadway, stealing the show, in fact, uh, in this year's Sly Foxes from lead Richard Dreyfuss. And by the way, setting people to check whether at age 90 he's the oldest performer in Broadway history. He's done nightclubs from the legendary Hungry Eye in the 60s, where he hung around with good friend Lenny Bruce. And he's in fact completing a three-night stand at the Village Vanguard, a club he originally played in the 1930s. He's done miscellaneous gigs. In 1960, he ran for president on the Playboy ticket, with Hugh Hefner's backing. He's done numerous comedy albums. I understand some are coming out uh, in, in the near future, according to his website. And of course, he's done radio, like right now. Professor Irwin Corey's pronouncements have entered the American lexicon. For example, wherever you go, there you are. And one that must surely have come up as the professor covered the GOP convention for the village vanguard this week. If we don't change direction soon, we'll end up where we're going. And my favorite Coreyism, wrongly attributed to Al Capone, you can get further with a kind word and a gun than you can with just a kind word. He's a piece of work, whose website www.erwincorey.org bears examination, and we hope you'll check that out after the show. We're endlessly pleased to bring him to you today. Professor Irwin Corey, welcome to Radio Parallax.
1: Well, it's nice of you giving an opportunity.
0: Well, you were, you were just covering the convention there in New York. What, what struck you most about that?
1: The thing that struck us most is the barricades they put up. And we asked why the barricades were put up, it says to protect the Pedestrians from being hit by cars that get out of control. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it seems rather unlikely, Professor. What you, you your career goes back? I mean, to to the 1930s. Uh, you, you started out doing some uh, sort of improvisational work.
1: Well, what I did was in 1937, or was it 36? Uh, Burlives and myself, me and Burlives, were going around. Fundraising for uh, milk for the loyalist Spain's children. A country that was attacked by Germany and attacked by Italy and protected by the United States. Roosevelt put a blockade on a legally constituted government. Spain had been a monarchy for the thousands of years. And here for the first time in the history of Spain they had an election. Because they don't there is no such thing as electing kings. (laughs) Right?
0: No, there's not.
1: It was it wasn't a war amongst the Spaniards. It was a war against the Spaniards by Hitler and Mussolini. And with the help of Francisco Franco.
0: Now, a lot of people that supported uh, the the uh, Republicans in the Spanish Civil War were uh, judged to be, uh, my understanding is, prematurely anti-fascist.
1: <clears throat> I was blackballed by the Communist Party. They wouldn't let me in. But anyway, the House Un-American Activities Committee, if they ever approached me, and they would say, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, my reply to that would have been, sir, 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 sir. Do you mind repeating the question? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Edgar J. Hoover told me that there are 10,000 Communist Party members in the United States. He says 5,200 of them are FBI agents.
0: I've I've heard that stat. Did you actually meet, literally meet, Mr. J. Edgar Hoover?
1: Yes, I met him. I was working in a a strip joint in in Washington, D.C., and... uh, I was given a royal treatment and brought about through the entire FBI building.
0: Uh, when I saw you in *The Curse of the Jade Scorpion*, I thought, you know, there, there's a guy we should look up. And it's it's taken a while, but we finally we finally got a hold of you.
1: Yeah, it was just two little scenes, but it was fun. I didn't know where the camera was, and I didn't know who the director was. Uh, it was an amazing phenomenon, really.
0: Now you get along pretty well with Woody Allen.
1: And I've known Woody Allen since 1955.
0: Well, you you rode the rails out to California when you were like very that quite was young.
1: 1933.
0: Professor Corey, did you know Albert Einstein?
1: I was in uh, Los Angeles as a bus boy at the Roosevelt Hotel, and they were having a dinner there in honor of Albert Einstein. I was a bus boy. At his uh, first appearance in uh, Los Angeles. That was 1934. He spoke in German, so it was very difficult to understand. It all sounded like Greek to me.
0: Yeah, I've heard about that famous appearance he had in Los Angeles. I guess he met Charlie Chaplin.
1: I was unfortunately detained. I was invited to his house in Los Angeles by Dorothy Parker. Wow. Wow and uh, somehow my agent discouraged me from going there because he said that Chaplin was a communist. I said, geez, I'd like to meet those communists. And another thing was uh, in a demonstration with my wife many years ago we were watching a communist parade and there were police on horseback who were swinging clubs and hitting everybody and they came over where a friend and I were watching the parade and I, I says, well, what are you hitting me for? I'm an anti-communist. <laughs> so the policeman says, I don't care what kind of communist you are, and he started hitting me again.
0: <laughs> wow. <laughs> Professor, would you, tell, would you care to talk to our audience a bit about relativity?
1: Relativity. Well, Einstein proved that heating causes expansion and cooling causes contraction. Uh huh. That's why in the summer... The days are longer, because it's hotter. And in the winter, they're colder, and therefore, it's shorter.
0: I wasn't aware of that breakthrough with Einstein.
1: Well, Einstein was once going to a lecture. After 30 years, his chauffeur says, Albert, you've been working very hard lately. I'll tell you what, I know your lecture by heart. Why don't you act as my chauffeur, and I'll give the lecture. And Einstein agreed with him. After the lecture, one of the uh, professors came over to him and says, that was a wonderful, wonderful speech. I enjoy every minute of it. It was a wonderful lecture. But you know, I have a problem. He he explains the problem to him. And the uh, lecturer says, my god, that's such a simple problem. Even my chauffeur can figure that one out. (laughs)
0: Well, Professor, uh, many people have criticized the Bush administration for its slanting of science. Um, how would you slant science if you got the chance?
1: Astrologists are now really discredited because Ronald Reagan's wife, Nancy, she's still around, I don't know, mm-hmm. but she and Hitler had the same astrologist.
0: I did not know that.
1: Yeah, and that's why that unfortunate incident of the uh, spaceship that was... Columbia that was just blown out of the skies is because Nancy Regan said it must go up now.
0: Uh, I hadn't heard that about the Challenger and Nancy's astrologer. I'm going to look that one up. That's, that's Oh, very... you
1: should get a book that was written by Kitty Kelly. Yeah. Called Nancy Regan. Yeah,
0: read it. I actually have Joan Quigley, the White House Astrologer's book, What Does Joan Say? It's quite interesting. She was very influential over Reagan.
1: And she was a a notorious anti-Semite.
0: Joan Quigley or, or Nancy Reagan?
1: The three of them.
0: <clears throat> you and Lenny Bruce were pretty good friends. Yes. And, and people think that uh, you influenced each other.
1: Uh, I recommended him for a job in London at the establishment. And he wrote me a letter. I was in Miami and the back of an envelope. And he recommended me to those people. Little did he know that I recommended him, <laughs> and when they when he went back to London, he was denied entry. So the next person to take his place was me. I followed him in uh, London. I also followed him when he was busted the day in uh, the Cafe Go I was backstage, you know, we're with him, with Consular and everybody else. And I explained to Lenny, I said, just cut out. And he looked at me oh, you're telling me to cut out? Oh, God, he was so disappointed. And I felt stupid by telling him that. But anyway, they took him away and uh, I, I, I took his place that night.
0: You have a new comedy album coming out, I guess, per your website.
1: It's called... Uh, cory at the vanguard i
0: think excellent i'm gonna i'm gonna have to get a get uh, get a copy of that sly has end a few uh, recently or Hey,
1: fly, sly fox closed sunday
0: oh oh so that's why you then started did, went back to, to do the uh, the nightclub
1: yeah we, we, we did three uh, 33 36 weeks
0: well you had you got rave reviews in that sir
1: I got very excellent reviews. you. All of them said I tore the house down. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't mean
0: to, but... Uh, what do you plan to do next?
1: <laughs> well, um, I, whatever little things I do, at my age, I'm supposed to reflect on my past rather than yeah, have designs for the future.
0: But uh, you're you're not letting any grass grow under your feet.
1: No, and I want grass to grow under my feet. <laughs> 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 this guy went to the library and he wanted a book on suicide. The opera, the librarian told me that you'll find it down on row G under the letter "S, and he looks and looks and looks, and he can't find it. He yells out to the library, "There's nothing here." She says, "I know they never bring them back." <laughs>
0: Well, Professor Irwin Corey, it's been it's been wonderful talking with you. Okay. Bye-bye. Ciao. He's one of a kind and we're glad to have been able to bring him to you. The Radio Parallax listening audience, we hope that Irwin Corey will again join us in the not too distant future. You're listening to Radio Parallax, I'm Douglas Evert. This is KDVS 90.3 FM, Davis, Sacramento.
1: Beyond the sea, she's now watching for me. If I could fly like birds on high and straight to her arms